It ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, and keep moving forward, and keep moving forward. And keep moving, and keep moving forward, and keep moving forward. Did you ever wonder if your mom gave dad a blowjob right before she kissed you goodnight? Dr. LeMay strikes again. <laughs> oh, my asthma. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's let's start a fucking show while people in my house are trying to sleep, and I'm going to be loud as shit. Welcome, to Geek Fight. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> the whisper episode. The whisper episode. Welcome to Geek Fight. 
stop whispering. I'm about to do it. Welcome okay. to Geek Buck. God damn it. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm David Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about tonight? Well, tonight's topic is is a brand new topic, something we've never done on this show before. It's Star Wars versus Star Trek. So uh, who's joining us tonight? Well, tonight's illustrious cast of characters is Amin Amat. Say hello, Amin. Hello, Amin. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Christy Woke. Hello. And Juan Patino. Uh, Hi. <laughs> sorry, I didn't want you to say anything because you were talking all through me. Talk fucking. Anyway. <laughs> How do the fights work, Mike? Well, each of our panelists chooses six things. Uh, in this case, three Star Trek and three Star Wars. Uh, anything you want them to be, uh, they could be characters, quotes, concepts, whatever, as long as they're uh, Star Wars and Star Trek related. We throw in two more, chosen by the Geek Fight staff to bring it up to 32. We randomly match them up and drop them into tournament-style brackets, although this time it's not as random because we have one Star Trek and one Star Wars uh, in each initial match. Um, you can download those brackets from our website at geekfights.net. We each cast our vote, as always, and we give our reason. The winner moves on to the next round. This continues until we are uh, left with just one thing that will be, I guess, the best of Star Trek or Star Wars. I don't really know. We've never done this before. Um, as you know, there are no wrong answers on Geek Fights, only wrong people. You can use any rationale you want. Uh, it can be clever and well thought out or just crazy and random and personal or anything in between. That's what we like to call geek logic. And some well-constructed geek logic has been known to sway votes. So choose your argument wisely. Rock and roll. Let's start a fighting. And uh, yeah, it's not best. <laughs> it's not best fictional athlete at all. No. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, the title still says best fictional athlete. I think there's a couple other things that, well, the brackets will say, well, no, they won't, but it doesn't matter. It's not best fictional athlete. Let's get, let's get on the road. Let's start Star Wars versus Star Trek. I mean, this one is yours. It is throwing around big ass chairs versus that guy who tries to look busy. And it's a gift that actually got posted on the geek fights, uh, Facebook page a while ago. I'll post it again, probably the day this episode comes out. (laughs) Well, I, I, I saw the gift just recently, and I thought it was hilarious. And then, then I realized that in this Star Trek, um, the original episodes, you get a lot of that. Just like these miscellaneous crew members doing nothing, but they're doing something. Um, Star Wars doesn't have much of that um, at all. So it's kind of like, eh. But um, you know what? Just because I did enjoy it, and it was pretty funny and something different, um, I'm going to go with the people person doing something, but they're not really doing anything at all. A vote for that guy who tries to look busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the guy who tries to look busy is fun. Throwing around big-ass chairs is pretty awesome, too. I enjoy that greatly. Um, I think I'm going to go, oh, no, 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 no. That guy who tries to look busy is fucking hilarious, so I'm going to go with that tra- guy who tries to look busy. Christy? All right. Um... I'm not voting for the guy who tries to look busy because it's from, like, I, I hate the episode it's from. I think it's from The Life of Zaytar. Do you remember that episode? No, not at all. It's awful. It's really bad. 
So, so you're voting for uh, yep. throwing around big ass chairs? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, Mike. Uh, you know, I really do like the the guy who tries to look busy, and I, you know, I extend this beyond just whatever episode that is. That's really a staple of Star Trek. Um, I like to consider that guy uh, either ensign background personnel or lieutenant. We have to remind people that there are more than five people on this ship. Um, there's always somebody who's doing something, pressing a button, twisting some weird thing. Uh, just, you know, guys who are doing whatever in the background. That's kind of the, the nature of this type of thing. But uh, I've professed my love for Yoda throwing big round chairs uh, in the, the fight against the Emperor at the end of, of Revenge of the Sith many, many times. It's probably my favorite thing in the entire prequel trilogy. Uh, it's a great fight between the Emperor and Yoda. Uh, it just shows how badass they are when they like stop it and fling it back and start spinning it and throwing it. I mean, that's that's just that's just great fucking Jedi fighting. So I'm going to vote for throwing big round chairs. Uh, vote for throwing around big ass chairs. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Juan. Juan is a last minute addition. Josh uh, bailed on us at the last minute, and, and actually, the guy who tries to look busy was his pick. Uh, Juan. What are you voting? What's winning? Well, you know, the guy that tried to live busy um, kind of looks like he's doing some kind of strange cabbage patch with the wall dance thing. Um, he's got a little bit of a rhythm going on. Uh, it's kind of funny, but I have I have to agree with Mike. I think that the fight with the throwing of the big-ass chairs is um, a lot more entertaining. I mean, I think there's not a whole lot of, or enough of the using the force during the fights so that when that happens, it's kind of awesome. So I'm going to vote for the big-ass chairs. Uh, vote for throwing big ass chairs around and big ass chairs getting thrown around is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is Luke Skywalker versus the episode of Deep Space Nine Trials and Tribulations, which is an amazing episode of Deep Space Nine and technically the original series mapping them together. It was a technological feat in what was that, 96? I think that's when they did that. It, it, it was. I mean, I, I, it, it was great. I like it a lot. But, um,. Luke Skywalker is Luke fucking Skywalker. Uh, I don't care if you're talking about bitch Luke or not. Luke Skywalker is the man. Uh, I want to be Luke Skywalker. I will be Luke Skywalker. Fuck you, Anakin. I'm voting for Luke Skywalker. Christy? Um, well, uh, I always thought Luke Skywalker was kind of weird looking, and I'm going to base it on that. I really like how... The original series looks and uh, Trials and Tribulations for the most part takes place on a space station in the original series. So I'm going to go for Trials and Tribulations. Uh, vote for Trials and Tribulations. K7, Mike. Uh, I'm going to vote for Luke Skywalker. And I love Trials and Tribulations. It is in many ways. One of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. It's one that I can go back to a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a technical uh, masterpiece. I think it's flawless in the way that it actually integrates the stories. It, it the uh, the temporal prime directive and those uh, temporal, I guess, Starfleet cops uh, who chastise Kirk for his multiple violations are, are amazing. It's a great episode in every way except one: the cop out. Um, when Star Trek The Motion Picture introduced the bumpy-headed Klingons, 
there were two explanations. One explanation was the old Klingons were just a different race. There are multiple races in the Klingon Empire, like there are multiple races in the Federation. Um, either that or it was the, well, just pretend the Klingons always looked like that. And either one of those two ideas worked until on Deep Space Nine when you see Kang, Koloth, and Kor... Uh, who were on the original series, and they all of a sudden have bumpy foreheads. And that pretty much just locked it in with the Klingons. Never had smooth foreheads. They always had the bumpy foreheads and just pretend. When they get to Trials and Tribulations, they have a problem. They have bumpy-headed Klingons in the form of Worf, and they have smooth-headed Klingons in the form of everybody else on the show. Now, I thought they could have... Just digitally put bumpy heads on the Klingons, which would have cost a lot of money. I think the best thing would have been to just put Michael Dorn in old-fashioned Klingon makeup uh, while they're in the past and just let it go. Don't address it. But they address the topic on the, sh- on the show. They actually ask why the Klingons of that time period have smooth foreheads, something that would be of the historical record. So I think most of the people on the show, especially the doctor, would understand. But they just dismiss it with a, oh, we do not talk about this which a lot of people like because they don't like the explanation, but I thought it was a bullshit cop-out. I think if they weren't going to actually address the issue, they shouldn't have addressed it at all. Um, But if they're going to bring it up, if you're going to pose it, you should answer it, and they didn't. They copped out all the way until Enterprise when Enterprise actually explained it. So for that reason alone, I'm voting against Trials and Tribulations and voting for Luke Skywalker. A vote for the Skywalker. Uh, yeah, you're going to be the long talker this episode. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> oh, <Are> always... <laughs> um, well, I, I don't really um, know a whole lot about the Charles Tribulations thing, but I do know that Luke Skywalker is awesome, and I wanted to be Luke Skywalker watching the, watching the shows, and um, Luke Skywalker gets my vote. Another vote for Mr. Skywalker. Uh, mean. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to put the Tribulations um, episode on the, as part of the Geek Fight, only because I think I've only seen like three episodes of Deep Space Nine, the first one, the last one, and this one, and I thought it was actually pretty funny, um, especially, I, and just like Mike had said, that moment when they look, they look around, they look at the Klingons, and they look at war, and they kind of like, so, you know, what's the deal here, and what you don't catch is that his his answer really means like it was a long night with Romulan ale and we don't want to talk about it. You know, it's 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 like those typical reactions of like yeah uh, something happened I don't want to talk about it. Um, Luke Skywalker, eh, um, yeah sure, but you know honestly you know, I was always more of a Boba Fett fan myself so you know fuck fuck Skywalker I like I like the tribulations. A vote for trials and tribulations, but Luke Skywalker is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Christy, this one is yours. It is locations and wide establishing shots in Star Wars and, well, the whole Star Wars uh, six tuplet. I don't know what they call that. Versus Chancellor Gowron. Um, all right. Well, Gowron is great. Um, he's arrogant and crazy and the kind of gung-ho, gonna-fight everybody, cling on that everybody likes, even though he's, you know, kind of not our, our kind of cling. I say our, like I'm part of the fucking Federation. Um, but um, the thing I think about most when I think of Star Wars is the wide establishing shots. 
how even if you're not paying attention to the characters, well, the setting itself is a character the, on the giant Hoth planet, but everything is just like, as far as you can see snow or, or just deserts everywhere. I feel like without the settings and without just without the settings, there would be no star Wars. I feel like it's so important as, I feel like it's, it's a character itself, so I'm going to vote for that. Uh, vote for locations and wide establishing shots. Mike? Uh, you know, I love the locations and establishing shots, um, but uh, I'm not going to vote for it because Gowron did a bump for us in our last episode. So, Gowron. That was two episodes ago, but a uh, vote for Galron. That was last uh, time. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, because there, there's there's the episode that we we haven't put out yet. Oh, uh, Juan. <laughs> um. Right. So the white establishing shots. I like how they. Um, I, I agree with um, what she said about them being part of the story, being characters, uh, because I kind of see them the same way. Like you're setting up the whole shot of like you know the where. Luke was growing up, and then showing, and then again, like in every, in every movie, show setting up where they are, kind of helps the storytelling. Um, whereas, like in, well, no, I'm just gonna stick with that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> sorry. Vote for why? Does... I didn't really say a whole lot. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Me? So we all know that Mike loves the sound of his own voice, and I guess we all we all do too, since we don't say much. Um, you know, establishing shots in, in the Star Wars uh, sextuplet, or you want to call it, um, they are very important. It's also based based off a lot of just uh, his use of a seventy millimeter film in order to give like really wide panoramic views of, of everything, which which is funny because it's it's only impact was inside of a movie theater and at least for the longest time you know on tv you could you couldn't really appreciate it now that we've resumed now that we have you know everything hd and the white and white screen flat screens you're able to appreciate all that stuff um that said you know uh, with mike's argument on uh, this Klingon, who i've never heard of before but then again i don't really follow star trek that much uh, but he sounds like a pretty uh, cool badass character. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I kind of like the badass characters myself, so I'm going to go with uh, with the badass cleanup. Uh Vote for Chancellor Galron. It is all tied up. It comes down to me. And uh, Star Wars so far has been mopping the floor with Star Trek, and uh, it would, ah, it, it it really should continue. But I I I I, I just realized that it's a septuplet. Because there are seven Star Wars movies that were theatrically released, and everybody wants to forget Clone Wars, but you fucking can't. Uh, and I'm going to hold that against it now, even though locations and wide establishing shots had absolutely nothing to do with that movie. I'm going to vote for Chancellor Galron. And Galron moves on. We are on to our next fight, Mike. This one is yours. It is Darth Vader versus Khan's Sweet Mullet. Uh. Khan has a, a fabulous mullet. It is second only to his fabulous bare chest in terms of his pure animal sex appeal. But well, I, I have been 
championing a victory for Darth Vader in a geek fight, uh, all the way back to uh, the greatest villain episodes that we did at the very beginning. And, and because of Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader's been uh, maligned, mistreated, and, and, and just downright disrespected on this show uh, many, many times, despite, I think, still being one of the great uh, screen villains of all time. Um, so I'm going to vote for Darth Vader, even though my hopes for him actually going very far are are not great. Uh, vote for Darth Vader. Juan? I'm going to go for Darth Vader. Why not? Just a vote for Darth Vader. Just a vote for Darth Vader, yeah. Just why not? <laughs> uh, mean. Oh, you know, um, I'm sorry, man. You know, isn't you, you know, Ricardo Montalban, you know, you, you can't go against. He's just like the epitome of like the, the, the most badass lat. Latin lover on a secluded planet with all these people that love him, then you know the white kid comes around, comes around, to kick his ass. You know, um, Darth Vader was cool, but uh, I'm sorry, you know, up until when Khan showed up and that, you know, that that bare-breasted beauty really did a number on a, on a lot of people, myself included. It's his sweet-ass uh, mullet, not Khan. You can't go and get no, the guy has like the perfect pets for his age. Not his like, pet. It's his sweet-ass mullet. Party in the yeah. Wait, party in the back. In the front. Exactly. So, what's your vote? I mean, it's Khan all the way, man. A vote for Khan's sweet ass mullet. All right, a vote for Khan's sweet ass mullet. Uh, I'm going to vote for Khan's sweet mullet because I don't want to be the well. I don't want to be the one that puts Darth Vader through, but I also don't want to be the one that puts Darth Vader out, and I, I want to put it on Christy. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Christy. Which one takes the win? All right. Though I know for sure that both Khan's chest and mullet are real, um, I have to put Darth Vader through because I really want to see him go up against Don. A vote for Darth Vader, and Darth Vader is moving into the second round for the first time in a long time. We are on to our next fight. Juan, this one is yours. It is one of the greatest lines in cinematic romantic history, which is, I know, versus uh, Voyager's ending and the consequences of its ending, which I don't know what the consequences of its ending were, but Voyager's ending. Uh, the consequences of the ending was the end, was it not? I'm a little bit more complicated than that, but that's just around like, oh, it's, and I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm cheesy. I use the, the I know with my wife, and, and it works, so I'm going to go with the I know. I know. Uh, mean. Oh. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. I mean, it's funny because, you know, as we all know, the I know part was not a scripted dialogue at all. Just a little impromptu thing from, you know, His Royal Highness, Harrison Ford. Um, but the ending of Voyager, you know, I, I actually kind of, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I kind of felt like I got ripped off. It was kind of like they wanted to really try and end Voyager, and they did a, the usual time travel, back to the future, loopy, whatchamacallit thing with it, and that whole deal with the boy. I, I don't know. It's 
it, it was cool, but at the same time, I kind of felt a little bit robbed. So, um, because I still feel uh, slightly robbed, I'm, I'm going to stick with, uh, with um, you know, His Royal Highness's ad-lib in Empire Strikes Back. A vote for I Know. All right. Um, I Know is great. I actually am the one that put it on the list, but I just remembered that the ending of Voyager uh, actually legitimized Star Trek The Experience and put it into canon. Uh, because the person that gives Janeway the time-traveling device, future Janeway time-traveling device, is Korath, which is the guy who travels back and, well, who warps... Well, no, no, he travels back into the past to try and kill Picard's ancestor uh, to get rid of Picard. So because Korath shows up and uh, it, it puts some of Star Trek The Experience into canon, and I was a part of that, I'm going to go with the ending of Voyager. Christy. Well, but wait a minute, was it, it? It was future Captain Jane that gave past Jane. Yeah, but the, the, but the, the, the time travel technology that she used to get back into the past was given to her by Korath. I thought, I thought she, I thought, wasn't it like a uh, some sort of like loophole wormhole that she found through the boards? Nope. Yeah, she didn't steal it. She, she got it from Korath. I know myself! Anyway. <laughs> What the hell episode did I watch anyway? So. I, well, <laughs> the end of Voyager. <laughs> uh, Christy, go ahead. Um, I'm not one of those people who hate Voyager. I like Voyager okay, but I really, really hate that last episode. It doesn't just try to end the series. It, it like, ends with everything. Um, it's like this lame temporal episode, and... Um, Seven and Chakotay get together. There's a fucking baby born. Like, how much else can they end with? Oh, well, they can get Janeway to blow up the board queen. Um, I just thought, like, they couldn't think of a good episode. They should have ended it with Voyager still on the way and not being home. And um, to make up to uh, for ending ending the series, they were like, oh, well, let, let's have you know, this baby born, and let's have Seven Inch Kote get together, and let's let's have Janeway be a superhero, and all this. And I just, it it can't it can't stand up against I know. A vote for I know and Mike. Uh, I was uh, I was very dissatisfied with the way Voyager ended. Uh, specifically, it ends with them approaching Earth not actually getting to Earth. Seven years we waited, and we don't actually get to Earth yet because Tuvok never goes home. So I'll vote for I know. And I know takes the win. We're on to our next fight. Amin, this one is yours. And no, don't ask me. I don't know. Josh is the one that put the other one on here. It is John Williams versus uh, Belosinos, which uh, for my internet research is a submarine place where you can get uh, sub sandwiches, at least around here. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. It, I don't know why he put it on there. He had something planned, and then he couldn't be on the episode. But go ahead, I mean. That was the first one again. Yes, you are. Oh wait, wait, all right. Huh? Something, something, and a sub place. You know what? It's been a while since I've had a good sub because I can't get any good subs down here. So I'm going to go for uh, whatever it was. Bellasino. Bellasinos. Yeah, it, it should have been a clean sweep for John Williams because John Williams' music is amazing. So I'm going to go with John Williams. Christy? 
Bellicino sounds like an amazing composer, so I'm going to vote for him. <laughs> vote for Bellicino. What Mike. You know, I'm I'm very, very tempted to vote for Bellicino's um and, and, and the geek logic would be entirely because uh, it it would be kind of wild if it went all the way when when no one actually knows why it's on the list. But uh, like you said, Damon, John Williams is uh, amazing. His music is one of the best things in Star Wars, and uh, uh, I don't think I've ever had a Bellatino sub, so I can't vote for it until I try it. So, John Williams, a vote for John Williams, and I'm going to actually say these words: It is all tied up. Don't know why. It comes down to you, Juan. Which one takes the win? Well, you know, I can go to Bellicino's and have a sub, and that's cool, no problem. But, you know, it's just another place to go and eat. But when I tell you how excited my son was to sit and listen to the John Williams, like, you know, arrangements when we went to, to go see Star Wars in concert, that was really cool. That was exciting. I'm voting for John Williams. A vote for John Williams and John Williams. Juan. If you lived, if you lived in a place like here, where there is no other subs except Subway, you would change your vote. Ooh. <laughs> you would change your vote. I'm, I'm, I'm telling I, you, my son believe I make my own. <laughs> uh, but John Williams in a squeaker when he really shouldn't have been uh, makes it into the next round. We are on to our next fight. It's it's a trap versus. Uh, are you even able to say that without doing an Admiral Akbar? Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's it's a trap versus uh, Vulcan Nerve Pit. Vulcan Nerve Pit works on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> works on a horse, you say? Yeah, and I'm totally voting for that. How, how can I not vote for a, a Vulcan Nerve Pit working on a horse? <laughs> uh, Christy. Yeah, I put that on the list. I'm definitely voting for a works on a horse, that Vulcan Nerve Pit. Uh, Mike? This is actually kind of tough for being two strange things. I mean, It's a Trap is uh, iconic. Um, it, it's probably Akbar's uh, most famous line. It's his best line. Um, but I'm going to vote for the Vulcan Nerve Pinch Works on a Horse. Uh, one, I think it's kind of cool um, and very clever, and it actually makes sense. Two, uh, I'm actually not a big fan of Admiral Akbar, and three, Star Wars has just been steamrolling so far, so we got to give some love to Star Trek here. Uh, another vote for Vulcan Nerve Pitch. Juan. So, are the Star Trek people being like whining bitches about it or something? Because they're so suddenly second fiddle? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, however, I am. Still voting for Admiral Akbar. It's a trap! It's a trap! <laughs> mean? That was a, that was a good one. <laughs> um, hmm. Either Admiral Akbar or the latest Argentinian technique for me. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? Because it sounds really fucking cool, I'm going to go with the Vulcan neck pitch on a horse. Although, it's a trap has actually become, you know, Admiral Akbar's key to fame. You know, I've seen I've seen stores called It's a Rap with Admiral Akbar as the mascot. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh you know, Vulcan Neck Pitch works on a horse. Dude, that's fucking awesome. I'm gonna go for that. 
Uh, vote for the Vulcan Nerve Pinch working on a horse. And Vulcan Nerve Pinch working on a horse is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Christy, this one is yours. It's the unknown fight, one of them. It is the Defiant, the ship on Deep Space Nine, the amazing Defiant, versus Jared's pick. Jared uh, swung for the fences on this one. Let's see if it works. Uh, Han Solo insists on taking a tauntaun out to save his friend. Uh, the, 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 another character moment from uh, good old Han Solo. Christy. Um, I would rather sleep inside the Defiant than inside a tauntaun. Uh, vote for the Defiant, Mike. <laughs> the Defiant. Another vote for the Defiant, Juan. Okay, so the Tauntaun wasn't going to survive anyway, and he still went out. That's bro love. So, the Defiant, I remember that being a really cool ship. We had all kinds of bells and whistles, and I remember it being pretty awesome. So, look at Pops for the Defiant. But still, Han Solo's looking out for his homie. So, let's get my vote. A vote for Han Solo. Amin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um... Huh. Sleeping inside a nice warm Tauntaun or the spaceship <laughs> Defiant. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, I would normally have gone for the, the warm Tauntaun, only because there's nothing nothing like sleeping in one of those. Sounds the smell. Uh, but I, I will go for the Defiant because if I'm not mistaken, I voted for the Defiant back in base, base, best spaceship fight some time ago. So in order to keep that alive and, you know, to be true to myself, I'm going to go with the Defiant. I'll vote for the Defiant. Uh, I find it interesting that two of the biggest character moments from Han Solo that are still intact uh, come from Empire Strikes Back. I know is in there. And then this moment of him going, well, fuck it. You know, you're going to die out there. Uh, so my, my friend would die without me. Uh, it's an amazing moment. I love it to death. Um, but not as much as a Defiant, so I'm going to go Defiant. And <laughs> Defiant is moving on. And we are on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is another fucked up one for Star Trek. It is Star Wars Toys versus Balance of Terror. Ooh, this is really, really tough because Balance of Terror is one of my favorite uh, classic Trek episodes. One of my favorite Trek episodes in general. Um, but Star Wars Toys change the world uh we would not have the the merchandising that we have now if it wasn't for star wars toys i i, I bought so many of them when i was a kid and uh, and now you know as an adult i still have uh, have quite a few and uh you know i'm still amazed at, at how many there are and how many new ones there are i was actually just at a target the other day and sure enough i actually walk up to one of the lightsabers and and turn it on and uh, this little kid behind me just kind of goes as soon as the sound went on. So uh, it uh, it's it's just still still kind of one of the biggest things about Star Star Wars. Uh, whenever any jaded old fart adult says uh, Star Wars is dead, I just tell them to look down the toy toy aisle of any Walmart, Target, Toys R Us. Uh, any any time you see action figures, there are Star Star Wars figures there. There aren't Star Trek figures there year round. There aren't Batman, there aren't Transformers, or at least not as many, but there's always a huge Star Wars section all the time because Star Wars toys are the coolest toys in the world. Uh, Mike, I, 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 I beg to question, um, 
But what happened after the kid lit up his lightsaber? Uh, actually, uh, then his parents kind of just tried to shoo him, you know, get him away from the toys. <laughs> it was quite funny. Luckily, they're cheap now. Uh, Juan. And then he started playing with the Spider-Man toys. <laughs> um, Star Wars toys definitely gets my vote because we have a whole bunch of them, and I enjoy playing with them quite a bit. Another vote for Star Wars toys. Uh, mean. Yeah, you know, um, Mike, as usual, made a very good argument, um, and eloquent as always, although the child lightsaber incident is, uh, still has a lot of holes in it. Um, although, yeah, I mean, the, the Star Wars toys... I, since they first came out, they've just been, it's been, uh, you would call it an, an epidemic, if, if anything. Um, uh, we all have many toys or a few toys. You know, I myself, I still have my Boba Fett in the packaging because it had a misprint on his hand. Then I also have one of the, what was it, the, uh, also another one also in the packaging because it was like limited edition or whatnot, blah, blah, blah. But those are the ones I've kept. But, um, you know, uh, it's they're toys that you still remember, and when you see them, you're like, "Damn, I want to get some more." And keep collecting and getting the, the better ones. But um, yeah, its impact has been felt worldwide by geeks and non-geeks alike. So I'm going to go with Star Wars toys. Uh, vote for Star Wars toys. Uh, I will not vote for Star Wars toys because uh, yeah, it's going to see it's it's steamrolling. It's it's going to win. But Balance of Terror. Is the episode that legitimized uh, Star Trek for lots and lots and lots and lots of people as something not as something more than just another shitty sci-fi show that they put on on TV because there were a lot at the time because um, you know the space race and all that shit you, you you really do get a lot of really shitty science fiction in the fifties and, and, and in the sixties especially uh, lost in space. It's a fun show to go back and watch nostalgically, but it's fucking horrible. Uh, Star Trek fucking changed it, and, and Balance of Terror is, is the episode that does that. Uh, so I'm going to vote for Balance of Terror. Christy? Um, I won't lie. I've never had any Star Wars toys, so that may bias me, but Balance of Terror... It's the I think it's the first episode with Romulans in it, so it introduces Romulans. Um, it takes place. It's like a super super intense episode, and it takes place in two rooms: the bridge of the Enterprise and the bridge on this Romulan ship. And the guy who plays the Romulan commander is the same guy who ends up playing Spock's father, Stark. So. He's so amazing in this episode that they decide to bring him back as someone as important as Spock's father. Um, this was my favorite episode of Star Trek, and I'm really sad to see it go away, and I wish one of you guys would change your mind. I'll change it. I'll change it. <laughs> well, that, was, that didn't take much prodding at all. No. Balance of terror. Moving on into the next round. On to our next fight. I'm just I'm just gonna blow past and that nobody else can change their mind. Juan, this fight is yours. It is the Ewoks versus the Empire, that concept, that fight, versus uh the Kalis Mythos from Star Trek. No. The Kalis what? Mythos. 
he walks into the empire, primitive culture, taking down the high tech empire with rocks and logs. That gets my vote. Uh, vote for Ewoks versus the Empire. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know why, but when you mentioned Ewoks versus Empires, I have, I don't know why it just came to mind, but I can't, I saw like a Damon Shaw Ewok singing that celebration song at the end. Don't yep, ask. No. I don't know why. Don't know why, but it just came into my head. Uh, and yet, it's that will be the reason why I'll vote for that, only because. Shit like that happens all the time. So, yeah, nub nub. Uh, vote for Ewoks versus the Empire. Um, I'm going to vote against Ewoks versus the Empire. Not because, uh, well, no, no, not because I'm a hater, but it gave hope to so many people, and they got crushed, crushed horribly. Look at look, look at China. Uh, what, what what was what's that? Tiananmen Square. Man gets run over by a tank. <laughs> we could beat him yeah. with sticks and rock, even though they have superior technology. Well, no, you can't. It doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. You will be annihilated, okay? It doesn't matter. You will get crushed. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Kalos, the, the Kalos mythos. Uh, even though it kind of falls apart near the end of... Uh, well, no, because he pops up on... No, that's not Kalis on D-Strike side. Uh, but I'm still voting for the Kalis mythos. Uh, Christy? Yeah, that's his clone that pops up. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was always kind of offended by the Ewoks because it, it seems like... Okay, so there's this primitive culture, and here comes these people from a different planet, different world, and they're worshipping C-3PO because he's shiny metal. And it makes me... Maybe if you took a robot made of, or that looks like it was made of gold or some super shiny material, that some primitive culture would worship it. But I don't think, I don't think so. I think they'd be a little bit more hesitant. Um, and I don't know. I just think it's really demeaning. And um, going up against Kalos the Unforgettable, United the Klingon Empire. I, I don't think that. The Ewoks versus the Empire can stand up to that. I'll vote for the Kalos Mythos. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Ortiz. Which one takes the win? Well, if I wasn't going to vote against Ewoks just on the principle of Ewoks, um, when you mentioned that fucking Yub Nub song, that pretty much sealed it. So, Kalos. <laughs> Yub Nub. <laughs> it's not like it was a new song or anything, it was the original song, whatever. Yeah, oh no, he hates Ewoks. Um, yeah, okay. Kalis Mythos is moving on. We're on to our next fight. I mean, this one is yours. It is Star Tours, the ride at Disneyland, versus the United Federation of Planets. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? No, that's not, that's just going to be a no-brainer. Star Tours. Come on. You know, that shit is awesome. And I think they revamped it just a couple of years ago. I, mean, I, went, I went on that back in... Uh, uh, what was that? 91? 90, I think it's the first time I went on it. That shit blew my mind. I was like, oh, it's just like, it's almost like being there, but not really. Although, I have to admit, the pilot robot really got fucking annoying. But I did enjoy the little gift shop at the end. So I bought, I bought like about five shirts that day. And it was really, it's only because I got, if I could get like Star Wars stuff at the time. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, I had nostalgia. And because I think it'd be a really cool concept if they redid something better. 
Star Tours. A vote for Star Tours. Uh, the first time I ever went on the ride was in 2007. Uh, I went to Disneyland with a bunch of other people who worked at Star Trek The Experience at the time. And, um, yeah, I, w- I was uh, completely, my, my childhood was raped because uh, the last time I had been to Disneyland was 20 years earlier, 22 years earlier. And Disneyland was the greatest place in the world. And then I came back through the eyes of an adult and realized that Disneyland sucked. And Star Tours was okay, but it wasn't as good as my fucking ride. The ride I used to operate, goddammit. So I will be voting for the United Federation of Planets. Christy. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I've never been to Disneyland. I don't care about Star Tours. I care about the United Federation of Planets. I want that to be our future. A vote for the UFP. Uh, Mike? Uh, I am also going to vote for the United Federation of Planets. Uh, Star Tours may be fun. I've never been on it, to tell you the truth. But in the end, it's still a ride. The United Federation of, of Planets really at its heart is a principle. It's a principle that all of Star Trek is based on. Uh, the key word is united. Uh, and that's that's what Star Trek is about. It's about the human race getting its shit together, uh, pulling itself together, joining its joining forces, moving out into the galaxy, meeting other people, joining forces with them, and uh, and spreading this this thing, this union uh, across the galaxy. And it's not a military organization. Uh, Starfleet may be, but the Federation is not. Uh, it it does not grow through conquest it grows through spreading uh peace and justice and equality and all of those things that we really tell ourselves we want to believe in maybe we do maybe we don't but uh you know in the end one's a ride and the other is a dream so you're voting for star tours right yes i vote for the united federation of planets and Juan. uh where do i sign up united federation of planets it sounds awesome. A vote for the UFP, the United Federation of Planets, is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is the Ewok Adventure, which I'm pretty sure that was the cartoon, right? The Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Versus uh, Literary Illusions. Um, I'm going to go with the Ewok Adventure because uh, it's going to piss off Mike. <laughs> Christy? From Hell's Heart, I stab at thee. From Moby Dick. A vote for literally, literally, I can't speak. Mike? Vote <laughs> for literary illusions because he can't say uh, I, I I actually put literary illusions on here. It's one of my favorite uh, aspects of Star Trek. Um, you know, from the uh, Moby Dick references, uh, the Shakespeare references, the Sherlock Holmes references, the uh, Christmas Carol references. Uh, Star Trek is littered with references to the uh the great works of literature and um i may not have fully communicated earlier but i fucking hate ewoks so literary illusions dogs of war i like ewoks i think ewoks are funny um yeah maybe they might be a little bit offensive if i try to read into it too much but um i like them Although I do uh, appreciate the literary uh, aspects of 
Star Trek quite a bit. I like shows that do that, that incorporate that in their songs. That's what I'm voting for. Literally? Not the Ewoks. Not the Ewoks and wa- uh, Amin. Uh, well, you know, it's... I think this this fight really didn't stand a chance. You know, this is probably a. Uh, it's you can't put literary illusions next to Ewoks only because it's, <laughs> Ewoks wouldn't last at all. You know, plus you know, Star Trek is full of that, and you know, and even the main one of the well, what I would call the main character Spock, he is an allusion to Sherlock Holmes. Of the future, um, so yeah, I guess not because Mike hates Ewoks, but uh, I'm gonna go for the literary illusions only because uh, 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 it's, it's it's no fun playing with an Ewok anymore. Uh, it is if you put the never mind. <laughs> Vote for literary <laughs> illusions. <laughs> literary <laughs> illusions is moving on, and we are on to our next fight, Christy. This one is yours. It is Adats versus the Borg. It's really hard. Um, the Borg is like such a great villain, one of the best villains in Star Trek. Um, it plays on one of humans' greatest fears of becoming non-human. They don't just kill you, they take away your humanity, and then they make you do their bidding. And um, when you look at them, they still look human or whatever alien they are, but they're like, and hot, they're like an evil doll or something. Um, and the at-ats, um, those particular walkers, uh, when I think of them, they remind me of, I think it was the, it was either the very end of middle school or the very beginning of high school when the GameCube was coming out, and they were doing this thing um, around the country. Did you guys go to the Cube Club before it was launched? You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but no, I didn't go. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So they, they, um, you could play, like, all these launch titles and all this stuff that was before launch. So you, you got to play, like, Star Fox and Pikmin and stuff like that. But um, the very first thing I played there, the very first thing I did was crash an at-at. So I'm going to vote for at-at just because of that. But um, I don't necessarily think they should go on. I'm going to vote for it. A vote for Adats, uh, Mike. Uh, I'm also going to vote for Adats. Um, even though I, I agree in principle with with much of what you said about the Borg, if the Borg had had if the Borg, you know, as as a character or as a as a, a race, had basically stopped with best of both worlds, maybe even into. Uh, I Borg. Uh, I, w- I would just think they're they're one of the best things that ever happened to Star Trek. Uh, but the more they went on, the more they they moved away from that kind of core idea. And I understand why. I understand the difficulties. You certainly couldn't make a movie with the Borg from uh, the best of both worlds. Um, so I understand from a, from a dramatic sense why they incorporated the Borg Queen and sort of changing things around. But I think the longer it went on, certainly into Voyager. Uh, the the weaker they became, uh, you know, they were originally something really just just terrifying, and by the end they were just yet another powerful alien. Um, because they were watered down, and uh, and you know, for me at least, Adats 
uh, are still every bit as cool as they were uh, the first time you saw them walking across the snow in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'll vote for AT-ATs. And because I loved that toy as a kid and that Empire Strikes video game where you just kept shooting AT-ATs until they eventually killed you. Uh, that would be, what is it, Shadows of the Empire? Something like that. No, this was just Empire Strikes Back. This was the very first oh, really? 8-bit Atari game. Ooh, awesome. Not awesome. Wand. <laughs> I always thought the edits looked kind of funny. I didn't quite understand. Well, if you can make these all these flying ships and all these, you know, flyers that are going around and dipping around, attacking, what's the point of having this slow-walking big dinosaur wannabe thing? Uh, I, I didn't I didn't understand that. And um, what was the other one again? The Borg. Oh, my God, the Borg bored the hell out of me. I couldn't watch any more Borg episodes. That actually would turn me off from watching those, uh, watching Star Trek in the first place. There's too many damn Borg episodes. Every time I tried watching an episode, it was the Borg, and I hated that. So I'm still going to vote for the Addict, but I don't really care for it. Uh, vote for the Addict. I mean. The Borg versus the Addict. You know what? What the Borg needed was a little bit more Seven of Nine, and I think uh, that probably would have made things a little bit more interesting. The Yat-Aps, uh, you know, and it's an engineering marvel, and they look pretty cool. And like Mike had mentioned, yes, I remember the old Atari game. And for as much as he tried to shoot it, there was no way it was going to, you know, there's no way you're going to take it down, at least not in the Atari version. I don't think you can take them down not until uh, what Star Wars Battlefront came out when you can actually do that. Um, but wait a minute. No, no, no. There was that version on Super Nintendo that you can actually bring those down to. Um, hmm. The, the Borg, in my opinion, leaves a lot to be desired because they, they could have been the perfect enemy with a lot of potential for expansion. But uh, I'm going to go with that at only because that would still be pretty damn cool to still go to pick up groceries, one of those. Another vote for at And as the very last Borg <laughs> ever hired by Paramount, which I am, I still hold the title of being the very fucking last Borg. Uh, the costume was annoying. I didn't like it. I'm going to clean sweep the at through. <laughs> Fuck it. Did you get to keep any of this stuff? No. They, they, they cut it all up and burned it. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh. On to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is the creepy age difference between Padme and Anakin Skywalker versus Q. Uh, you know, I actually like the, the, the age difference thing. Um, it, it, it also, for me, uh, just the, the, the complete, that and the complete lack of chemistry between, um, What's her name? Shit. What's Padme's? The Natalie, actress, Portman. Natalie Portman. Natalie and Hayden, Portman and Chris, Hayden Christensen uh, was was just ridiculous. I, there's no way you could even buy that uh, that there would be an interest. Uh, so it always made me think that even as a young child, Anakin was just using the Force to manipulate her, which I think is kind of awesome, but uh, not as awesome as Q. So Q. Uh, vote for Q. Juan. I enjoyed the episodes with Q in it. Um, they they were entertaining. It was kind of crazy. It was kind of surprising. Twisty journey. It was interesting. I found it interesting. I did not find that forced love story uh, with Padme and Anakin interesting. Um, I hate that part of the movie. I'm going to vote for Q. 
Another vote for Q. Uh, me. Okay. Well, I put the Pat Mechanic in, you know, age rate difference there. And, uh, but, you know, putting it up against Q. Oh, you know, Q was and still is one of the favorite, my favorite uh, villains um, of any genre, actually. Um, and plus, he loved, uh, you know, he did. He loved fucking around with the cart. I mean, that was that was his sole, I guess, sole purpose in life. You just wake up, cup of coffee. Okay, you know, let's, how am I going to fuck with the cart today? You know, and and the fact that the cart always seemed to get the best of them was, was always, always, always one of my enjoyable moments of watching those two guys interact. Um, fortunately, that same type of enjoyment I could never have with uh, Natalie and Aiden because, you know, like Mike, I mentioned that, that was, there's no freaking way that that was going to happen. Although, they should have introduced a little bit of him using the Force on That would have made things even more interesting. But, come on, she was never going to go for him. That, yeah. He didn't have the right type of lightsaber in so, uh, Q. Uh, vote for Q. Um, I'm totally voting for Panama and Anakin because I never thought of the fact that the 10-year-old... See, you keep going with Hayden Christensen. I'm going with the 10-year-old mind-raping this girl, this 14, 15-year-old girl, into loving him. That is amazing that he did that at 10 years old. Was she like 17, though? She was, she was pretty... She was up there. No, she's 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 only like four or five years older than him. It, it, it doesn't seem like it because they got an eight-year-old kid to play a ten-year-old kid, so it made it even worse. <laughs> but uh, because of that creepiness factor, I am voting for that. Uh, Christy. Yeah, I'm not going to vote for Ray. But um, let me just say this about Q. I thought, okay, so Q is in the very first episode of Next Generation, of course, and I thought that was such a great way to introduce this new Star Trek because the episode is really, I think, a good blend of an original series episode with this, um, you know, omnipotent alien being, and there's a he puts um, humanity on trial. Um, so there's even like a, I mean, there have been trial scenes in the original series. So I thought it really nicely bridged the gap and introduced you to the new characters. And you got to see how Picard was not like Kirk, um, but ultimately coming to a, a positive end. And not only that, but um, we also got to see <laughs> whether you like them or not, those jellyfish aliens. So it was the campy old original series versus your new uh, special effects in this new one. So I just thought it was a really nice way to start off our brand new series of Star Trek. And Q takes the win. We are on to our next fight. Juan, this one is yours. It is Orlando's sick space perm versus The Visitor, an episode of Deep Space Nine. Doing the sick space perm, hello. Works 25% of the time. Well, 100% of the time? Wrong Whatever way. that is. Whatever. The six space perm still wins. A vote for the six space perm. Uh, me. <laughs> what, what, what was supposed to be the, the delivery on that one, one? I kind of I missed it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, um, what, what, you know, you're thinking about Lando's perm. 
You know, the, the guy's he's suave. He's Mr. Colt 45, the silver bullet, you know? Silver bullet in the city in the clouds, you know? Come on. That's, the, the guy's so freaking cool that the cloud has to be above the clouds. You know what I mean? That's how cool he is, you know, how suave. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you, 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 you have to give it to where give, give credit where credit's due and it has to be with, with Lando and the space burn. His 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 sick space problem. Don't forget that. Um, Juan, you need to, you 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 should probably. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, you should probably uh, watch the visitor. I think you would like the visitor. It's a father son episode. It's a really good one. Don't watch it with your son though, because it might make him cry. Uh, okay. It, it is a really good father son episode. But but on the, on this side of the brackets. Star Trek has been destroying Star Wars left and right. <laughs> but but no 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 because you did vote for Star Wars here on this side. Uh, Star Trek is just dominating this side. But I, I love the visitor too much to vote against it, uh, especially for just a a, a sick space probe. So I'm going to go with the visitor, uh, Christy. Yeah, this is no contest. Um, the visitor is such a wonderful episode and. Okay, so they finally let Jake not be annoying by making him Tony Todd. Um, but, you know, all the other characters on DS9 are courageous and daring, and Jake was always kind of dull and boring and was either made just, you know, to have a kid on the show or, you know, maybe even because Star Trek fans may rather write fiction than fight in battles. So they had someone to identify with. I don't know, but um, they really let Jake prove his worth as a character and finally, you know, sacrifice himself. And even though it took him, you know, really long time, he loved his daddy. A vote for the visitor. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mister Ortiz. Which one takes the win? You know what the visitor didn't do. What's that? It didn't uh, sell out its friend to torturers and then try to fuck his woman. So, uh, because of that, I will vote for it over Lando's space perm. A uh, vote for the visitor. <laughs> the visitor. Wait, 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 crap. Fine, I'm voting for the visitor too. Damn. The visitor. Well, it's it's fine. It's moving on. We are on to our next fight. Uh, mean, this one is yours. It is the other unknown fight of the evening. Uh, it is Karen's pick. Which is the TNG, the, the Next Generation Pinball Machine, versus people and places, the names of people and places, their, their unique names. Oh. Oh. You know, unbeknownst to many people, I do enjoy a good pinball game here and there. And uh, I actually have played that pinball game. Um, it's funny because that's like my second favorite. My first favorite is the Adams Family one, but that one is actually my second. Oh boy! Um, you know, I, I'm gonna go for for the pinball game. I, I I enjoy it a lot. So usually the rare times that I get to play one of those, I I, I like to play and probably put in like about five bucks worth because I'm I'm really lousy at playing pinball anyway. Uh, but uh, I actually have a lot a lot of fun with that. The people, the names of for Star Wars, uh, some of it's okay. Some of it is just like literally, you know, Lucas just put a bunch of names in the shredder 
put them in a bowl, pick two pieces, put, paste it together, and then that's the name. Uh, so I'm going to go with the pinball game. Uh, vote for the TNG pinball machine. Uh, yeah, uh, for the the prequels, that's kind of how it feels. But the names of people and places in the original three Star Wars movie are fantastic. Uh, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Bib Fortuna, Jabba the Hutt, Boba Fett. All these names that we take for granted. Tatooine, uh, Most Eisley, all this stuff that uh, Hoth. But we, we, we say it. And you know exactly what we're talking about, and, and, and it brings something to mind. Uh, yeah, they, they, they fucking failed hard with those second three movies, but the second three movies, but whatever. But the first three movies, the names of people and places are pretty awesome. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, names of people and places. Christy. Oh, I so agree. Okay. One of the things I love about Star Wars, whether this be haphazardly thrown together names or you know, somebody did some research or, I don't know, they just all sound so perfect. Alderaan, Hoth, Dagobah, Palpatine, that's like the best name for an awful person. I don't know, I just love the people and place names, so I'm going to vote for that. A vote for the names of people and places. I would love it if there's somebody listening right now whose name <laughs> happens to be Palpatine. Palpatine! And you're like, that's a I hate you! Uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, I never played the uh, the pinball game. And, uh, you know, just to throw a few more cool names on there, uh, Dagobah, Yoda, Moss Eisley. Um, and you're right, Damon, certainly in the prequels, uh, there was things like Dooku. But uh, long before there was Dooku, uh, there was Darth Vader. And even though I don't know what that means, it just fucking sounds awesome. So I will vote for the uh, the names. Another vote for the names. And Juan. Names. Names are cool. Voting for names. And names are cool. <laughs> Works that easily. Names are moving on. And we'll, oh, we'll, we'll be back <laughs> right after this. little prick with a Napoleon dick. You call it a mustache? I call that dirty Sanchez on your lip. You bitch. Let me remind you who you're messing with. Everything that you did, I'm the motherfucker who invented it. I'm the original Dark Lord. You're like a sorcerer's apprentice. My soul troopers make yours look like someone took a piece of shit and cloned it. You stink, Vader. Your star smells something sour. You need to buy up, dog. Here, step in my shower. I'll turn all your friends against you. Just my speech is green haters. But your lightsaber versus a clan of all your white neighbors. Robot ball. Now take a step back and let me freeze yours off. A little carbonite back for your goop stepping ass. We'll call my homeboy in Israel. See who got the last laugh. Who won? Who's next? You decide.
Christians! Like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection. Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. This is General Martok of the Klingon Empire. You are listening to Geek Fights. And we're back doing what we do every week, coming at you with Jarrett Formby, trademark geek cred. Uh, who shall I start with? Hmm. I'm going to start with you, Christy. Ladies first. What is your geek cred? Hmm. Uh, I read a lot. And I like Star Trek. Um, that's pretty good, I think. Thank you very much. Mr. Wong. Pat no, Pat no, Pat no, is that how you say that? It's Pat no, that is that how you say that? No, no, that's not how you say it. Pat no, okay. Pat no, what? What's your geek cred? I don't have any. Really? No, okay, I have I have geek cred. Um but I don't know which one to talk about. I mean it's not like I haven't been on here before. Yes, but sometimes that's my geek cred. Okay. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I've been on here before. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. You've been on uh, 12 times now, 13 times. Uh, Amin. Uh, uh, oh, boy. Um, a little bit of everything. Read, watch shows, read some more, and draw comic books for uh, IDW. And actually, just about an hour ago, Zenoscope. So, um, yeah, I, that's what I do. Pretty boring, but, you know, you guys keep it fun. Thank you very much. And that was two weeks and an hour ago. Remember, we're time travelers. That's right. Yeah, we slingshot around the sun. My friends are going to like that concept. Daddy's a time traveler. Technically, by the time you're listening to this, I'm done and working on the next one, two, three, third, third something or another or something else. See? Wow. Yeah, but uh, hit your hit your son with uh, we are all time travelers because we always travel forward through time as linear beings. Was it three weeks? Oh, three weeks in the future. Well, right now we're the, the episode will be on two weeks in the future, but, but I'm actually we, four days in the past. Oh, really? I I'm sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh shit! Lottery numbers. Wait. Ooh. What do I do with them? Yeah. Oh goddamn it! Goddamn it! What do I do with them? Wait, wait, Mike is four days in the past. What? You're still at Comic Con? No, he didn't go to Comic Con. That thing is horrible. Well, it's four days in the past. Who knows? Maybe he did. No, he didn't. But we're jumping back into the fight. It is throwing chairs around, big ass chairs around versus Luke Skywalker. Uh, it's fucking Luke Skywalker because he's Luke Skywalker. Big chairs are great, but you wouldn't give two shits about big chairs if it wasn't for Luke Skywalker. Uh, Christy. Um, it's not big chairs. It's throwing big chairs and. Both Yoda and Palpatine could totally squish Luke Skywalker with a big ass chair. A vote for the big ass chairs, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the big ass chairs. I mean, I love Luke Skywalker. He's a great character. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, many, many stories with him. But when the Emperor is just like cackling and just flinging those fucking chairs across that Senate thing, that was just that was just badass. I mean, I remember just sitting there watching this, going. This is what I want to see in a Star Wars movie. So, throwing big-ass chairs. A vote for throwing big-ass chairs. Juan. Yeah, but we had to go through three movies of Luke Skywalker and then two prequels before we got to the big-ass chairs. I mean, that's a whole lot of waiting for that. You don't lead with big-ass chairs. (laughs) But you can lead with Luke, so I'm going to go ahead and vote for Luke. A uh, vote for Luke Skywalker. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Amin. Which one takes the win? Let me see. You know, technically, Yoda's really, you know, moment of par the excellence is actually the movie before that when he found Count Dooku and he revealed. I had to go through. Yes, and where he revealed that he's not so crippled after all. You know what I mean? Um, throwing chairs around after that was eh, that's something that he does, you know, on his, on his day off. Um, the Luke Skywalker character, because um, it does represent, you know, obviously growth, maturity, crying about Uncle Ben, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's still more interesting than throwing chairs around. So, Mr. Skywalker, 
Uh, vote for Luke Skywalker Jr. And Luke Skywalker is into the next round. We're on to our next fight. Christy, this one is yours. It is Galron versus Darth Vader. I love this fight. It's really hard. Um, ultimately, Vader could probably somehow manage to crush Galron with the Force. But Galon has so much a life coursing through his veins that he can probably slice Vader in half. So I'm going to go with Galron. A vote for Galron, Mr. Ortiz. This is really, really tough. Um, as I've said many times in the past, uh, I've been trying to get Vader to win. Uh, I believe my exact words uh, at the end of... Uh, the second best villain when I changed my vote from from Lex Luthor to Darth Vader was Vader is my boy. And it breaks my heart to vote for Gowron, but I will. Um, when we uh, were putting together this list, I kind of decided to stay away from some of the big things that we talk about a lot. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've said my case for Vader uh, for two years now. Uh, but nobody talks about Garon on this show, and I love Garon. He's a great character. Uh, his, his arc is uh, is fantastic, going from just sort of this minor uh, character who's who's in line to be, you know, the the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire. Uh, all the stuff he goes through with Worf um, and, and Worf's excommunication on Deep Space Nine, he becomes a great character on Deep Space Nine. Uh, uh, at the end, he's he's just kind of nutty, um, and and you know, really. Uh, was it Robert O'Reilly, I think, is the actor? That is uh, correct. That man can really, really, really do crazy eyes. And there's nothing better in a Klingon than crazy eyes. And Gowron is just fucking crazy-ass crazy eyes. So even though I love Vader, and, and Vader is my favorite villain, uh, he he gets plenty of love. But Gowron is just one of those Star Trek characters that people like, people dig, but nobody nobody talks about him. So I think Gowron needs some love. A uh, vote for Gowron. Juan. <laughs> um, Mike, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Um, I'm going to vote for Darth Vader because I don't even know who the hell Gowron is. So uh, vote for Vader. I mean. <sighs> My vote. Is actually going to be because, uh, uh, you know, I don't know why. Okay. It's going to be Vader. You know, uh, although, you know, Garon sounds like a pretty cool badass, you know, but uh, I'm going to keep it classic. So, Darth Vader. A vote for Vader. <sighs> it is all tied up. It comes down to me. And, uh, Damn it, Mike! I, I I've got the 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 two spites going in my head. There's the the spite of uh, voting against Vader to fuck with you because you love Vader, but then you voted against Vader, which makes me want to vote for Vader to fuck with you. But at the same time, uh, I can't remember the whole entire line. But I, I, all I know is something about forgive, oh forgive, and he turns his head, and his eyes get really big. It's so fucking it's awesome. It's those crazy eyes. It's those crazy eyes. That's exactly what you want. Yeah, that was the thing on. with Worf, when uh, when he just, this is something we can we can never forgive or forget. 
Yeah. Yeah, that 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 shit is so awesome. Uh so I, I will vote against uh old Mike and not this new reformed Mike and vote for Galron. And Galron, the high chancellor of the Klingon Empire. Well, I'm so well, sorry, Darth. It's moving on. We are on to our next fight. Mr. Orton. And this time it's Mike's fault that it didn't move that it didn't move forward. It is. Yeah. That actually makes it a little bit more fun. So does that mean that future Mike is gonna be like going back in time to kill past Mike? Because of what he's done? Probably not. Ah. But uh, we're on to our next fight. And Mike, it happens to be yours. It is I Know versus John Williams. Uh, I'm going to go for John Williams. Uh, I I Know is a great line. It's a great uh, improv, uh, like we had mentioned before. If you remove it from Empire Strikes Back, you make Empire Strikes Back worse, but just a tiny bit worse. Uh, you remove the John Williams music from uh, from the Star Wars saga, and uh, it gets a whole lot worse. So I will vote for John Williams. Uh, vote for John Williams. Juan Williams. Juan Williams? No. Um, hmm. The music is quite awesome. It's always the sentiment of the team. The music's not purpose, though. So I'll go for the music. Uh, vote for John Williams. Amin. Yeah. Are, are we in agreement that John Williams did 100% of the music throughout the entire Star Wars saga? Except for Larry, that one guy. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so technically then, John Williams is also, I guess we could say, guilty of one of the best songs of the trilogy, the Num Num song, correct? Uh, he had a hand in that. Well, in that case, you know, Mike has actually uh, shown his true colors. So he does like the Ewoks. So in that case, I also will partake in this and say John Williams. Another vote for John Williams. John Williams... It's funny about his his Star Wars music. His best song is in what most people consider to be the worst movie. Well, second worst, which is uh, Phantom Menace. But Duel of the Fates is one of the best fucking genre songs of all time. I love this shit out of Duel, Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates is not better than Darth Vader's theme. It is. It is. It is not. It gets me so excited. It gets not. me so. You know what's awesome about the music is just by using the music, you can identify the character that's coming on the screen, and it, and it works really well throughout all those movies. Yeah, but I you love when, it's, it's like you know, you go to the street and you say, tell somebody, "Hey, nub nub," they know exactly what you're talking about. It's yub nub, yub nub, yub nub, nub, yub nub. Yep, yep. Uh, sorry, I used to know the whole uh, all the lyrics. Uh, Christy, is it a clean sweep? Um, without John Williams, I know might not even mean anything to us because we haven't felt that manipulative music. Um, also, I was going to vote for it anyway because Darth Vader's theme is the best. Good the faith. But John Williams, it's called the Imperial March, by the way. It's not Darth Imperial Vader's Imperial March. In uh, parentheses, it says Darth Vader's theme. Doesn't matter. It's Imperial March. <laughs> but John Williams is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is the Vulcan nerve pinch works on a horse versus 
the Defiant. Juan, that one is yours. Okay. Vulcan death pinch? Neck pinch? Neck pinch, right? Yeah. Vulcan nerve pinch. Nerve pinch. That one. Because it works on a horse. Voting for working on a horse. I mean. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's just put it this way. Um, That song from Evita, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, takes on a new meaning for me. Especially with the uh, Vulcan nerve pinch, works on a horse. Oh, it's so awesome. Um, hmm. You know what? Only because for me, yeah, you know, there's the whole Star Trek thing, but I guess being a little bit closer to Latin America and seeing some of uh, the Argentinians, uh, I I'm gonna go for the Vulcan neck pitch works on a horse. That's like that's a total El Gaucho trick right there. So. Yeah. <laughs> A vote for Vulcan neck pinch working on a horse. Um, I gotta go with the fucking Defiant. It's the goddamn Defiant. The Defiant never gets as much love as it deserves on this show. Although it usually goes far, but every, it always gets overlapped or overshadowed by the Enterprise or some other Star Trek ship that people think is better. But the best ship of all time is the fucking Defiant, and I love the shit out of it. And I, I can't vote for it for eating horses. Is what I think. I think. I mean, it's implying. Um, uh, Christy. Yeah, this is surprisingly a really hard fight. Um, I would think that the Defiant would naturally beat the Vulcan nerve pinch working on a horse because it's a warship. Um, but the Vulcan nerve pinch working on a horse is really cool. Um, But the Defiant is such an awesome ship that when it was finally destroyed in that awesome battle, when they got a new ship, they renamed it the Defiant because it was so awesome. So I'm going to vote for the Defiant and tie it up. I'll vote for the Defiant. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Ortiz. Which one takes the win? Uh, The Vulcan neck pinch working on a horse is an amusing moment. Uh, but the Defiant is so much more than that. Uh, you know, I, I love Deep Space Nine uh, from the beginning. Uh, it really just sort of clicked with me. I know a lot of people didn't. And there's certainly some weak spots at its beginning. Many people think of the arrival of Worf as when uh, Deep Space Nine turns around and really just turns into what I think is the best Star Trek show. Uh, but I don't think that's correct. I think it's the arrival of the Defiant at the beginning of season three. Uh, it was the they introduced the Dominion at the end of season two, really, and and showed what they were capable of. Uh, season three kicks off with. Uh, the arrival of the Defiant, and it was originally designed to take on the Borg, and it was uh, kind of reworked, and a cloaking device was added so that it could uh, take on the Dominion, and that's really when the conflict with the Dominion starts, um, and and the Defiant is really sort of the the Federation's first uh, piece of that puzzle. Um, Plus, it's a cool-looking ship. It broke uh, Star Trek, uh, certainly Federation, uh, design traditions. Uh, it was small and it was fast and it had a lot of power. Um, it it was one of those things that also really let you know that Deep Space Nine was not uh, Next Generation or the original series because even its its ship was very very different. So uh, I love that little ship and uh, and I think it definitely is the the best one here. Uh, 
Uh, vote for the Defiant. The Defiant is moving on. We're on to our next fight. I mean, this one is yours. It is the episode Balance of Terror versus the Kalis Mythos. Well, I've never seen the Chaos Mythos, whatever. I'm, I think I pronounced that incredibly wrong. Um, so I'm going to go with the other one, which I totally forgot right now. <laughs> Balance of Terror. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that one either. But from what I've heard from you guys talking about it, it sounds like something like it's pretty cool. Um, in fact, I may end up watching that on Netflix tonight while I draw. So I'm definitely going to go for that one. A vote for Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror is the episode they decided to use when they went to, to launch the remastered on TV. Uh, when they remastered the original series and made it all special so you could watch it in HD and it would be okay and the special effects were, were updated, they, they, they went with Balance of Terror because they thought it was uh, the best episode they could offer up as the first episode for a whole bunch of new people to watch Star Trek. It was, it was one of those, like, we know new people are going to watch. Uh, what should we put out there? And they didn't put Trouble Tribbles. They didn't put some of the, the other classic episodes. They went with the one that they thought was the most Star Trek. And uh, that's Balance of Terror. Uh, I love the shit out of it. I'm going to vote for Balance of Terror. Christy? I will also... Well, okay, so this is this is kind of like Romulans versus Klingons in a sort of way, but not really, because Balance of Terror, it's such an amazing episode, and I think it's perfect. If you're going to watch it tonight and sit down and draw, it's, like, full of pop clothes. There's so much, like, hot pink and, like, green, and the Romulan just... Okay, because the ship kind of gets destroyed a little bit and there's so many angles and it's just so beautiful and I love the Romulan outfits even though they kind of look similar to the Klingon ones in the original series. Um, it's just so much more artful and I'm much more a visual person than, than um, I guess, uh, mythology reading kind of, even though I guess I, I do read a lot. I don't know. I, I balance the terror. A vote for balance of terror. Mike? Uh, I I actually believe it's not that the uh, Romulan costumes look like the Klingons. It's I think it's the other way around. The Romulans appeared first, but the cost of the makeup uh, meant they, they, it was too much in the back, so then they switched to like a grease paint thing. So really, the the Romulans defined that aesthetic. And, and actually, I mean, I would advise you not to put this on while you were drawing because you're not going to get any drawing done. <laughs> Uh, this is not just, I mean, this is one of the most engrossing episodes of Star Trek. It's sort of based on a, a, uh, a submarine movie. So it's very tense. It's very moody. Um, it's, it's really very performance driven because it's, it's people basically looking up at a screen and talking and acting against it. And, uh, and, and even that remastered edition was absolutely fantastic. Um, it is. It is. It's a season one. Is is the third episode? I'm not. I mean, I don't know about air date order, but it was very, yeah, very somewhere, early. Somewhere in there, like and third or fourth episode. It's really like I, I don't really much care for the the pilot, and, uh, and I think Star Trek is a little wobbly there. But you know, really, by whatever the third, fifth, whatever episode, Balance of Terror is uh, the quality that you will see throughout the the, the, the series. It starts in that episode. Um, but it shouldn't have beat Star Wars toys, so fuck it. I'm voting for Kalis. 
I'll vote for Kayla. One. <laughs> um, what? Um, what? Damon said. Yeah, that one. All right. What I... I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Can I use R2? Uh, it, it it doesn't matter. You can't Bell's use R two in a Star Wars versus Star Trek. He always votes Star Wars. Yeah, and but there is no Star Wars. But exactly, it doesn't matter. Balance of Terror was going to win anyway. Okay, cool. Balance of Terror. Moving on, we're on to our next fight. It is the United Federation of Planets versus a literary allu- illusion. God damn it! I gotta be able to say that. I'm gonna vote for the United Federation of Planets. Fuck <laughs> all of you. Uh, Christy, go ahead. Um, okay. While uh, Star Trek is literally littered with literary illusions. Nice. Um, thank you. I wrote that down. Did you hear me turn my paper? <laughs> um, <laughs> um the United Federation of Planets, it's such, it's such a, you know, okay, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, the Federation is, like, stupid, naive, idealist, and all I have to say to that is that it's not naive to be an idealist. It doesn't mean that it's not naive to put your best foot forward and to strive to be better than what you are or what society says you can be. And, um, yeah, United Federation of Planets. Uh, vote for the United Federation of Planets. Mike. Uh, I am also going to vote for the United Federation of Planets. Uh, I, I also love the literary illusions, but lots of things have literary illusions, especially in science fiction. Um, but the United Federation of Planets is is pure Star Trek. I mean, there are other similar sorts of, of organizations and other, uh, you know, sort of future mankind united things. But I don't think any of them are quite the same because they've really, over the years, crystallized the idea that um, even though the United Federations is uh, composed of all of these other uh, alien races. These alien races were familiar with each other. They had interacted with each other. Uh, but it wasn't until humans went out into space that they actually were able to unite these people. Um, you see in original Star Trek, you know, the Klingons are the enemies by next gen. They're not part of the Federation, but they're certainly uh, more more allied with it. You know, by the end of Deep Space Nine, even the Dominion and the the Ferengi. And, and there's that, that thing about the humans that... Um, Garrick does about, uh, or Quark does about the root beer. You know, it's sick and horrible at first, but then you get used to it and then you kind of like it. So it really is just about this kind of human idea that goes out uh, and actually winds up dominating the galaxy. And that idea is, you know, supposedly all of the truth and justice that, that we believe in. So it's such a great idea and it's at the heart of Star Trek. So uh, for me, it's got to move on. I'll vote for the United Federation of Planets. Juan. I like that. That sounds cool. I like being included in the group of dreamers, so I'm going to go with the United Federation. UFP, motherfuckers! Well, I mean, <laughs> is it a clean sweep? <laughs> See, the, the, the only little problem I see about the, the UFP... Um, motherfuckers! 
but in order to really to really kind of experience it, we have to find some other planets that we can have inhabit. Um, it's a, so it's a, it's a great idea, abstract. However, literary illusions we can enjoy now and forever. Thus, I am going to go for literary illusions. A vote for that thing that I can't pronounce, but the United Federation of Planets is moving on, and we're on to our next fight. Uh, yep, yep. Yep, nub. Uh, Christy, this one is yours. It is Adat versus Q. Um, someone was saying in an earlier round that um, adats are not at all practical, and it seems kind of crazy that in this you know galaxy that has spaceships and all and hovercraft that they would have these clunking, awkward walkers, and um, I agree with that. Um, whereas Q can go anywhere in any point in time. And Q is not even just John Delancey. Q is all of the beings that live in the Q continuum. So I'm going to vote for Q for being omnipotent. Uh, vote for Q. Mike. Uh, well, actually, I, I believe with the ADATs, um, the reason why they uh, were used in that particular scenario is because, as as they point out, it was taking them a while to get the speeders accustomed to the cold. That's why Han had to take a Tauntaun. So the anti-grav engines uh, have a hard time and have to adjust to the cold and have to be calibrated to it. So the Empire couldn't have used them in that circumstance. It had to use something instead of a Tauntaun, which walked across the snow. It used an Adat, which walked across the snow. So uh, I actually think it just shows how prepared the uh, the Empire is for a variety of situations. It's an all-terrain armored transport. Uh, so uh, it's it's actually really, really awesome. Uh, however, um, uh, I'm going to vote for Q because he, you know, he was there in, uh, what the fuck was the, first, was the pilot called? Encounter at Farpoint. Encounter at Farpoint, all the way up to All Good Things. He's he's almost the thread that that links uh, all of the Star Treks together. I mean, he uh, they they make the argument that um, Trelane was a Q, and he was certainly on Voyager. He was on Deep Space Nine. Did he ever show? I guess he would didn't show up on Enterprise. So that means we just won't count Enterprise. And I'm I'm actually saying right now, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is Q in the next movie. So Q. Wow, that would be awesome. What will suck, though, is they actually announce what Benedict Cumberbatch is in the next two weeks, and now you sound like an asshole. <laughs> but a vote for Q. Juan? Um, I still I still like the edit. Um, so, I mean, I get that they're supposed to be, you know, the altering armored vehicle. I get that. Um, and I kind of understood. I was being kind of facetious when I said it before that, you know, they have all this other great stuff, but they have to use this cumbersome walking thing. Um, I still think it's kind of silly, though. So um, I like Q. Q is a very interesting character, so I'm going to vote Q. Uh, vote for Q. I mean. <sighs> you know, I, I like that. But, um, you know, we... And it's funny, because I, I was... It's been for the past month I've been thinking about who the new villain is going to be in the next Star Trek movie. And uh, I ended up watching the Sherlock... TV series from the BBC. And 
it's yeah. I mean, he can play a he, he would play a badass Q, and I think that's that's who he's going to end up playing because it's definitely not Khan. Um, he doesn't have enough enough of a tan, anyways. Uh, oh, but it's badass. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Q. Q is a much more interesting character. Besides, you know, the premium that you'd have to pay on that at would, would be killer. A vote for Q. Um, Q has the best Star Trek books, period. Like, if you like reading Star Trek books, read the Q books because they're the best. Uh, they're usually written by Peter David, which uh, makes them even more awesome. They're, they're actually my favorite. I think Q, is it Q Squared? Q Squared, I think, is the name of my favorite Q book. And it's a Q book, and I love the shit out of Q. I think that's the one where they say that Trelane is a Q. Well, they, they, they yeah. It, it, it's kind of where they mention that Trelane might be a Q. It, 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 it's actually his son who actually appears in uh, Voyager several years later in Q2. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Q. Fuck it. I don't even care. Q, goddammit, Q! And we're on to our next fight. Uh, Mike, this one is yours. It is the visitor versus the people of names of people and places. I love the visitor. Uh, it, it almost won our uh, one of the or the first part of the um, the best Star Trek episode uh, show that we did. Um, but there's one other name that none of us said that, and I think maybe we said it because sometimes we we just forget. That it's Star Wars, uh, because it's kind of become so universal. But uh, you know, nobody ever heard of the word Jedi before, and uh, and that's pretty fucking awesome. So I'm going to vote for the names. Uh, vote for the names, Juan. That is an excellent point. Where would we be if we didn't have the word Jedi? Uh, I'm going to go with the names of places and people and stuff. Another vote for the names, Amin. In this particular case, I think I'm going to go with the with the whole names. Uh, what you want to call it? I mean, it's it's true. You know, at least for the original trilogy, I think that the names utilized in the movies were were definitely original, and they also described the place and or planet without you having to actually go there. You know, you know, Tatooine already gives a kind of time connotation that it's some sort of desertish type of place. It's like hot will give you that it's the opposite. Um, you know, and even nowadays, you know, you, you know, people are using the word Jedi. A lot of people throw around the word Java, you know, and Boba and Fett and Skywalker and Rancor and Hugnot and whatnot. Um, so definitely, it has much more of a lasting impact than anything else. Only with the names. A vote for the names. Uh, I'm still going to go visitor. Uh, visitor's fucking awesome. Uh, I almost cry every time I watch it because it's that good of an episode. Uh, Christy, I do cry every time I watch it because I'm a crier. Um, but I'm going to vote for the names also because I think it's such a giant part of the Star Wars universe. And I think that Hoth is perfect for Hoth because it sounds like when you're breathing and it's so cold and you're trying to warm up your hands. Okay. 
we we don't do that in places that are cold. Uh, it, it just makes your hands colder in the long run. It's it, it's a horrible thing. But <laughs> we are on to our next fight. It's for a spot in the final four. Juan, this one is yours. Look at this. It's Star Trek versus Star Wars. Or it's actually Star Wars versus Star Trek. It is Luke Skywalker versus Galron. Um, I think I'm going to continue to stick with Luke Skywalker. Um, because it made, uh, it made us all watch the movie. Whether we cared about him or not, we were continuing to watch the story. And he was a big part of that, especially in the original movies that were released, they were mostly, you know, kind of start to learn and being bitch loop. But still, um, Luke Skywalker is getting my vote. Uh, vote for Luke Skywalker. Amin. Okay, so Luke Skywalker walks into a room and there's Garth. And Skywalker offers, offers his hand for a handshake and Garth takes it, but he doesn't know that he's, he's got the hand that Luke Skywalker can have in the first place. So while he's holding Skywalker's hand, Going, what the fuck? Skywalker pulls out the lightsaber, shoo, kills him. I think we just solved the story right here. So, yeah, Skywalker. A vote for Skywalker. Um, see, you aren't giving Luke Skywalker enough fucking credit. Because if Galron was actually a threat, he would just crush him with the Force. Luke is the one that brings balance to the Force, at least in my mind. I know in the books that come after... I think it's one of his kids that brings balance to the Force, but fuck that shit. The fact that Luke, in, in Return of the Jedi, uh, uses both dark side and light side. He, he, he channels his fear and his anger to fight Vader, but he also pulls back to, to do other things. I love him. He's my favorite. At least he was when I was a kid. I, I grew to love Darth Vader after the fact, but Luke Skywalker is the A number one fucking hero. And uh, Galron in a physical fight would be fucking destroyed by him. Destroyed. He'd be destroyed by Empire Luke. Like, uh, there, there's no contest. So I'm going Luke Skywalker. Christy? I Okay, Luke may have light and dark, but Galron has crazy, and I don't think you're taking that into account. A, a vote for Galron uh, and Mike. Hmm. This is this is is really tough. Um, in the physical fight, I'm not crazy really high. sure. Was that great? God, and that's a good point. Because I actually think Garon could beat Empire Luke. Uh, at that point, Empire Luke's metal had not really been tested, um, and uh, I think, given time, he would figure out what to do. But uh, yeah, I think just a, a an experienced Klingon warrior like Galron would be able to beat him. Uh, and then when you get to Jedi, certainly uh, in a straight-up fight, but, you know, we could throw the the might of the Klingon Armada behind him, uh, and, and that could certainly obliterate uh, where, wherever Luke happened to be. Um, plus, he had great moments, but everything that you said, Damon, was true. I mean, that's, that you know, the it's Luke fucking Skywalker is great logic. Uh, I want to vote for Gowron, but you might be able to change my mind with some more Luke love. We don't need to change your mind. Luke Skywalker has the vote. Luke Skywalker takes the win. <laughs> Easy as that. We're on to our next fight. Well, then I'm um, definitely voting for Gowron. Uh, a, a, 
<laughs> this one is yours. It is John Williams versus the Defiant. Oh, ooh, um, hmm. So it's gonna be a tough one. You know, I, I voted for the Defiant best uh, best spaceship. I voted for it Defiant earlier tonight. I don't think. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's right. That's right. I did vote for John Williams once tonight because he is guilty of one of uh, Mike Ortiz's favorite songs, even though he denies it. Um, so just because of that. Because I know that Mike is going to be thinking about this from here to eternity. John Williams. A vote for John Williams. Ah. This is really, 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 really hard. But then again, it's incredibly simple because I think Mike actually made the argument before. Uh, if If you go Deep Space Nine, you take out the Defiant, Deep Space Nine is still an okay show. Like, it's still pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, you lose a few of those storylines, but if you replace it with a different ship, it's probably fine. Uh, whereas, if you take out John Williams' music out of Star Wars, there is no fucking Star Wars. His music is everything. Uh, he, he Like, the pulling on the heartstrings on, I know. Like, it's, it seems to be perfect with the only misstep of his, which isn't a misstep of, of his, it's a misstep of Lucas, which is the love, the love theme. Which, it's because he had to have a love theme. And it's like, what the fuck? Oh, we're making a love theme in Star Wars? Okay, well, this shit's not going to work. But all right, whatever. But, um, yeah, I got to go with John Williams. He's the man. Christy? Well, this is really hard because they're so different. And I think because we all know that John Williams is such an essential part of Star Wars. It helps shape the universe. But we all really dislike the Defiant because it's an awesome, badass ship. I don't know that that is enough or fair to put it through over John Williams. So I am going to vote for John Williams. Another vote for John Williams. Mike. Um, actually, Damon, I disagree. I think the love theme uh, in Star Wars works uh, very, very well, um, as well as Duel of the Fates. And I, I think that is, is a great song. I just I prefer Darth Vader's theme or the Imperial March um, or the Cantina music. Uh, you know, all of that is is John Williams. And actually, while John Williams was responsible for the music for Star Wars, he did not write the lyrics, Yub-Dub. He did the music. You take the actual Yub-Nub out, it's, uh, it's actually just kind of a nice melody. So um, as much <laughs> as I love The Defiant, I, I got to stick, stick with John Williams. Another vote for John Williams. Juan, is it a clean sweep? Absolutely. Go ahead and put me down for that clean sweep. Thank you very much, Mr. Patno. (laughs) Patno? That's the name, right? You're you're welcome there, Mr. Shaw. See, it doesn't really work with my name. My name is Shaw. Like, you you can't really mispronounce it. It's it's very hard to do. You can do Mr. Damone. Yeah, but you can Shaw. But that's fine too because that's actually how my name is spelled. <laughs> I'm I'm cool with that. It's a little weird, but I'm okay. Okay, whatever. But, okay. but John Williams is moving on. Thank you, Mister Pat. Now, and we're on to our next fight. It is Balance of Terror versus the United Federation of Planets. This is hard. Balance of Terror is the eighth episode ever aired. It aired in December of 1966. So USP, y'all. USP. The, the the concept of the United Federation of Planets. 
and and I think that's one of those things where people who didn't watch Star Trek didn't don't know that humans didn't really go out and find aliens. Aliens came here and found us, and then you know we moved on from that, and we basically because we're so awesome as humans, we got our shit together and joined the rest of the universe in harmony. That's how we roll with the uh, United Federation of Planets. But balance of terror is extremely important. Balance of Terror is probably the most important episode of Star Trek because it is the episode that says, hey, this is something serious that you can take serious, that you can enjoy. Uh, so I'm going to go with Balance of Terror because I think if they, they kept on a track record of, of crappy episodes, which they, they had quite a few before Balance of Terror, uh, I think uh, the show might have gotten canceled way earlier. So go on Balance of Terror. Christy. Yeah, this is really hard. Um. Okay, so Balance of Terror, um, the very last thing that the Romulan commander says to Kirk is, under different circumstances, I'd call you friend or something like that. They have such, though they're in this intense battle, they have such respect for each other that, but they could even, but someone could even say that at the end is amazing that despite, you know, the well, I don't know if you could say war, really, um, but the tensions between the Romulans and the Federation, um, that some people um, can see the pureness in others and can say such a thing, even though he was on the other side of, you know, of, of this division, that he could recognize the good in someone else. Um, and the, the United Federation planets is such a great institution, such something worth striving for. And that not that humans are, I mean, humans are in, instrumental in creating the Federation along with Vulcans and whoever was, I mean, I forget who all was in the original, uh, however many seven or eight planets uh, started it, but that humans recognize that, wow, all these other people have been doing this a lot longer than us, and they are more advanced than us in ways that we can't even fathom. We should we should bridge the gap and be friends with these people instead of warring with them and trying to conquer and such a thing. I, it's just, I, think, I think that I would like to push forward a, an idea of brotherhood than balance of terror, even though it sort of maybe even kind of does that at the end. So, um, uh, a very muddled vote for United Federation of Planets. A vote for the UFP, motherfuckers! Mike? Uh, I, I will agree with uh, everything that, uh, that Christy said there. Um, you know, it really is just that big guiding principle. And, uh, and you know, you talk about there, there's almost a hint of that in Balance of Terror, but uh, by the time you get to unification, you get the idea that that's happening there, too. I mean, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, we see the, the Klingons, you know, kind of come become peaceful with us. Um, the Bajorans are brought into the Federation. Uh, you know, you can imagine that the Cardassians could be brought into the Federation. I mean, it really is uh, something that... That is 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 very encompassing, and you know it was brought up. They were naive, but the Federation also has that. Was it Section Thirty One? And uh, they they are optimistic and hopeful, but they're not stupid. Um, 
And they are made up not just of humans, but of all these other races. And, you know, the Vulcans and the Andorians were basically enemies before the humans were able to bring them together. So it's it's really just a great idea, and it's one of those big ideas that, that makes Star Trek and science fiction in general uh, something that, that I love a lot. And Balance of Terror, even while it's a, a great episode, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it is as essential because even though there were some clunkers, there were a lot of great episodes at the beginning of season one. And they didn't pull the plug on TV shows after a couple weeks now. Star Trek, pretty much if it was in, they didn't have anything else to put on. It was in for all of the produced episodes. So if you pull Balance of Terror out, you know, it might take till Space Seed or, or something else for people to really just go, wow, this show is awesome. So I think uh, I think the Federation is is uh, just the the better choice here because it is it is essential to Star Trek. You take that out, Star Trek's just you know space cowboys. A uh, vote for the United Federation of Planets. Wands. Well, honestly, I don't think I could add much more to what's been said than what Mike and Christy said. Uh, I agree completely. Um, I. I want to go ahead and discuss my vote for the United Federation of Planets. Uh, vote for the United Federation of Planets and a mean. I got my mind on my planet and my planet on my mind. UFP, y'all. <laughs> UFP, motherfucker! And that's right. You, United... you! We gotta make our game. Oh, wait, we did have a game sign. If I can remember it, I will post it. I'm going to have to ask somebody. There is a UFP game sign. <laughs> I'm not even joking. We made it up to Star Trek The Experience. It was like during the end, we would throw it up as people were like walking into other rooms. So customers and guests were walking by and we would throw up the UFP. I, I, I got to remember how to do it, but I will throw up the UFP because it exists. Awesome. Uh, but the United Federation uh, of Planets is moving through and it's Vulcan, uh, Andoria, the Andorian Empire and the Tellarites. The Tellarites. Yeah, the Tellarites were part of it. Was was the were the founding members, uh, and we're on to our well last spot for the final four. It is Q versus the names of people and places. And uh, Christy, that's yours. Okay, the names of um, people and places is very important, but I really, really want this to be a Star Wars, Star Wars versus Star Trek, Star Trek. So I'm voting for Q. A vote for Q, Mike. Yeah, that's my my kind of geek logic. Even though I do love the names, and and Q uh, actually is kind of a dumb name. Um, yeah, having basically that Q moving forward guarantees that it's a Star Wars versus Star Trek in the in the last fight, and uh, I really really like that. Plus, you know, we've been mentioning well, except for the prequels. Well, at some point when you get down to the end, when you get into what uh, the, the final four and what makes it into the final end, you can't really do the accept. And you have to remember Dooku and Padme and Naboo and Jar Jar Binks and uh, all of the horrible names that go along with it. And even though Q had some stinker episodes, I uh, also had some fucking amazing episodes. And, and if for, for nothing other than tapestry... Uh, I think it's got to be Q. Q gets another vote. Juan. We'll have to go for James. I mean, granted, there are some, some a lot of ones that people can complain about, but seriously, like, you know, Boom P.E., Pod Racing, um, Quadrimoto, whatever his name is. I think that the, the, that maybe he 
might have exhausted a whole lot of really innovative ones at the beginning, but we really can't expect them to create the wheel all over again. I mean, he had already started whatever his concept was in the past, you know, beforehand. So I'm going to vote for the names. Uh, vote for the names. Amin. All right. You know, it's kind of funny. It's the names of places and people versus someone who's so badass that they only needed a letter. All right? So I think that because of that, he's so badass. He doesn't need a full name. No, he just needs one letter. So obviously, it's going to be Q. So, wait a minute. So, people are talking about how he, how the creativeness of the names got less creative towards the beginning, whereas they were so uncreative with this badass, they only use one letter. Sorry, I'm just saying. <laughs> it was an abstract concept. I think That's it's a dumb name, butter. too, but he's awesome. Well, I, it's a dumb name when you add the continuum to it. When he's from the Q continuum, it comes. It becomes a little wonky, but it doesn't have any uh, bearing on the fact that Q's a fucking awesome character, and some of his best appearances are uh, are outside of <laughs> of Next Generation because his appearance on Deep Space Nine is a great episode of Deep Space Nine. It's very fun, and his, his first appearance on Voyager, which, which is Death Wish, is a really good Q that's, episode. That's my favorite episode of Voyager. Like it's a, yeah, it's go ahead. Go ahead. You can go ahead. So I was just like, I just love, I love politics, and it's such a great political episode. Like, what do you do with somebody who wants out? Yeah. I, I'd rather be dead than be part of it. It's so good. Yes. So Q and his clunkers come in season one and two. Like, after that, they knew how to use that character, and then his clunkers come at the end where they go, you want to check? And he goes, of course, I'll do the Q and the gray and Q2. Why not? So, you know, at the end when he was struggling for money, that's what I'm, I'm just, what I'm saying. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Q is into the final four. We've got Luke Skywalker versus John Williams and the United Federation of Planet versus Q. And Mike, this fight is yours. It is Luke Skywalker versus John Williams. Wow. Two things that really are, th are things that you, you can't really remove from Star Trek or Star Trek, Star Wars without, uh, Without, you know, really hurting it. I mean, you pull Luke out. Of course, you pull Luke out now that it's really more Anakin's story. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, maybe you could get a, a Jerry Goldsmith. Um, a, or a, no, not a James Horner. He couldn't quite do Or a Danny Elfman. Jerry Goldsmith's the only one that probably could do a score like that. Um, Danny Elfman, are you serious? That's, no. that's, that's blasphemy. That Danny Elfman couldn't? No, I don't think so. No, I'm saying he can't. I'm saying Jerry Gold, Goldsmith is the only person I can think of that could do yeah, a score man. as kind of majestic as as Star Wars. You know, it, it's going to be John Williams. Uh, you know, okay, just just th think about the first time you saw Star Wars. You're sitting watching it in the movie theater. For me, I, it was in the movie theater for the first one. I don't know if it was in a movie theater few, but even if it was on, at home, but hopefully not because it's not the same impact. But you're sitting there, and you, you see the 20th Century Fox logo and the Lucasfilm logo. And then there's that uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is silent. And then just that dun, 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 dun. And, and that's the first thing you get of Star Wars. And it just blows you away. 
you know, the first time I saw Luke, I was not blown away. Eventually, I, I dug Luke a lot. Uh, and, and as an adult, certainly the, the idea of a character arc uh, as, as a hero's journey thing like Luke uh, ma- makes much more sense to me. But, you know, goddamn, when I think about Star Wars, it's, that music just is always at the heart of it. And uh, and actually, John Williams, with without intending to, with Darth Vader's theme, actually wrote what now really could be considered the theme music for evil in general. Because you play that under any shot of somebody walking or a group of people walking, and it instantly makes them look evil. So, John Williams. A vote for John Williams. Uh, Juan? Um, I think that the music of John Williams is an essential part of actually of telling the story. It guides you through it. It brings it all together. Whether the scenes are choppy or not, the the, the music is kind of what weaves in and out and kind of creates or helps create that story space to be able to suspend that reality and, and go with the story. Um, even with that horrible love story that they threw in to the movies, the music wasn't what sucked the dark. So I'm going to go with John Williams. Another vote for John Williams. I mean... You know, yeah, you know, if there's anything Luke Skywalker cannot go up against, it's going to be John Williams' score. Uh, it's, you know, what Mike said is true. And and not just that, I mean, I, even even on Blu-ray, I mean, the, the, the music and, and everything else still holds up very nicely, incredibly so. Um, and, of course, you know, also Mike... Also did edit, self-edit out that uh, every song and every every score in it is uh, has an impact, including the last one in Return of the Jedi. Um, but uh, you know his, that's his legacy, and even those involved in making the Star Wars movies acknowledge that Star Wars is not Star Wars without the music. So it's going to be John Williams. Yeah, I'm- Another vote for John Williams. Um, fuck you, people. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. John Williams should be into the finals. But um, I didn't care about John Williams. I didn't know to care about John Williams. I cared about Luke fucking Skywalker. He was the man, the myth, the legend that I grew up uh, wanting to be, I wanted to grow up like Luke Skywalker did go from being a whiny kid to being a master of my own destiny. And and that, that's what he does. That's, that's, that's Luke's journey. And, uh, I like it a lot. I, I, that's what I want. That's what I wanted as a kid. Um, John Williams music. I, I, I didn't know it had an impact on me. So, uh, right now I'm going kid brain and I don't care. Luke Skywalker, Jedi for life, motherfucker. Christy. Um, the whole fact that you didn't realize that John Williams was manipulating you with his score into wanting to be Luke Skywalker, I think says it all. And John Williams will have to go through, obviously, but I'm going to vote for him too. And John Williams will be representing Star Wars in last fight. On to our next fight. Juan, this one is yours. Oh, wait, Mike, are we recording? I, I, I forgot to ask. I thought you were recording. Oh, shit. Oh, well. This is for nothing. We'll finish it anyway. Yeah, why not? Uh, 
Gilbert. But actually, up to two. Oh, no. We, 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 we were just like, well, we might come back to this one. Uh, Juan, <laughs> <laughs> this fight is yours. It is the United Federation of Planets, motherfucker, versus <laughs> Q. Um... Ah, uh, United Federation fight. I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I don't really have a big explanation about it. I like Q. Q's fun. Q uh, and Q's episodes are really good. One of my favorite ones to watch, but I can't call it any specific. It's been a long time. And United Federation fight, I think, is a really great concept. So I'm gonna stick with that, and that's my vote. Uh, vote for the United Federation of Planets. I mean, oh man, you know it's. I, I like Q. You know, I'm also, uh, I'm also, uh, I'm a big fan of the UFP, motherfucker. But, um, <laughs> damn, man. I mean, it's so catchy. You just want to go around saying UFP, yo. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to go with Q because it's, of, of the few episodes that I've seen, he, he, he always seems to pop up, and I've never been disappointed. And... Shit, man! I really want. Can I get like a like a, a combo vote? Is that possible? How can you you mean you want to vote for both of them? Can I get like half half, like point five? No. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. Q, Q. Uh, vote for Q. Um, the concept of the United Federation planets is awesome. Uh, I will not deny it that, but. Everybody keeps calling Q one of the uh, a great villain, a great villain, a great villain. Q is an antagonist. There is a significant difference. Q is not the villain. Uh, if you look at it through Q's eyes, he's the hero because he saves the human race from itself. Um, Q is the guy that's there to guide humanity to the next level. That's what that's what he chose to do himself. Uh, you know, and and he he likes and cares about these people, these these people he interacts with. Because uh, tapestry with Picard, that episode, you don't have a villain ever do that. Villains don't do that. That's an antagonist. Uh, and and he gives Picard a, a, a gift, a second chance at doing something that he thought he needed to change. And 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 when he went back in time and changed things on, he realized, no, I need to I need to be the young reckless guy when I'm you know and do some stupid stuff. To make me the man I am now, uh, he he allows Data to laugh and actually laugh and understand the laughter. Like he he gives gifts to people, uh, and uh, Q is one of the the greatest characters ever created because he's an antagonist, not a villain. And I'm going to vote for Q, Christy. Q, also Davis, the episode where. He led humanity to the Robin Hood holodeck program, which I hate that episode, though I do like, I am not a merry man. Um, but I'm going to have to go with UFP because I, I really would love to see some, like, the uh, United Federation of Planets, something, like, so legitimate up, up against John Williams, which I think is the most legitimate thing about Star Wars. I'll vote for the UFP, motherfuckers. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Ortiz. Michael Anthony Ortiz, what is your vote? Uh, I am going to vote for the the UFP. Um, as much as I do love Q, and I do think you can... By the end, Q is not a villain. But I think 
when you look at Encounter and Farpoint, he he is. Uh, you know, their their initial goal was not to help humanity. Their initial desire was to destroy humanity. And then as they got to know humanity, they became intrigued by them. Um, they were afraid of humanity. They didn't want to save us from ourselves. They wanted to save the universe from us. That's what that's what Q wanted at first. But over time, he he you know connect first he attempts to connect with Riker and then the you know writers realize that that isn't working and he really creates a great rapport with both uh Picard and Data um and then by the end he is guiding uh Picard and and actually saves humanity on on many occasions and that evolution is kind of indicative of how humanity and the United Federation of Planets work they meet the klingons it's antagonistic then it's less antagonistic, and eventually they're kind of allies. Same thing with the Romulans. Same things with the Cardassians. Same thing with the uh, the Ferengi. You know, by the end of Deep Space Nine, the 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 new Ferengi Grand Nagus is Rom, who is who is has very strongly influenced by the Federation. Uh, that's their thing. They uh, actually, uh, I, I looked it up on. Uh, Memory Alpha, and, it, and the United Federation of Planets entry starts with a quote from Captain James T. Kirk. The Federation is, he says, a dream that became a reality and spread through the stars. So the United Federation of Planets. The UFP, motherfuckers, is into the finals. We've got John Williams versus the United Federation of Planets for the winner. Which one wins, Star Wars or Star Trek? Amin, this fight is yours. John Williams versus the United Federation of Planets. Motherfucker. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's like a great, great score soundtrack versus a gang side. Hmm. Oh, crap. Oh, I'm going to go with John Williams. I mean, it's... Uh, overall, you know, I still listen to the soundtracks while I'm working or, or whatnot. You know, I don't think the the UFB gang sign will give me any discounts either. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be John Williams. Uh, vote for the John Williams music. God damn it. This is actually hard because the concept of the Federation the, the, it's, it's, it's similar to the concept of uh, how other people used to think about America. That we, we didn't beat you with uh, war. We beat you with our television programming and our music and our other, uh, other things, that pop culture. That, that's how, how, we, how we've grown our empire. It's similar to the, the uh, United Federation of Planets. We, we didn't do it with war. We did it with, uh, they did it with other things. They did it in a very different, different way, which some would say is more peaceful, but is it? Uh, versus John Williams, which is the music playing in my head right now. <laughs> that's that's that is the problem with the John Williams. It's the music that I can I boom right in my head right now. I I can play Duel of Fate. There we go. And Duel of Fate. Or the or the Imperial March, which is fucking awesome. I, I will not deny it. Uh, or even like the Tatooine theme and you know some of the other stuff that that, that he does is amazing, but. I think I'm going to go United Federation of Planets, but I might be swayed. Uh, Christy? Yeah, this is very difficult. Um, 
John Williams could certainly write a anthem for the United Federation of Plants. I thought it would be very emotional, bring a tear to your eye. But um, I, you, you can listen to the score and close your eyes and know exactly what's going on, but I don't know if that speaks to how well the music is or how good the music is or how often we've all seen the Star Wars movies. Whereas the United Federation of Planets is, it's not perfect. And that's what's awesome about it. It's, it's, it's knowing that you can always be better than what you are and, and that you're better together. You're the sum of the parts is better than a single part and can't vote against Federation of Planets. A vote for the United Federation of Planets, Mike. This is really, really tough, and I'm I'm kind of in a place where I'm sort of going back and forth on my own head and, and talking myself into and out of of different things. So uh, I, I very easily uh, could be swayed, but I think I think you know with all this going around in my head. I love the United Federation of Planets. I agree with everything that's been said. I've been singing its praises this whole time, and it is a great concept, and I believe in it uh, very strongly. I mean, I think it is an idea of of uniting disparate people for a common good, uh, which which is one of the the great ideas of mankind, and, and it's it's you know quite literally our only chance of of actually surviving. Uh, is is for us to to really learn and adopt that idea. It's 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 an inevitability, or we uh, we just end. We cease to be, um, and that's a big concept. But it's a big concept in my head, and the Star Trek or the Star Wars music is a big concept in my heart. Uh, and Damon, you always say, "Vote with your heart." Um, and even though I. I, I keep t- trying to talk myself into UFP because I want to believe that deep down inside that's more important to me, but I, but it's not. And, you know, when you said we can hear a piece of that music and remember the scene, but maybe it's because we've seen it so many times. I've seen Star Wars or Star Trek as many times as Star Wars. I've seen tons of movies. I've seen Planet of the Apes. I've seen, you know, you know Logan's Run, the Superman movies. Batman movies. I've seen all of these as many times as I've seen Star Wars. And even though there are individual pieces of music that I can always put to a scene, with the Star Wars ones, it really is, you know what it, what it is, especially in the, the original trilogy. And, you know, it's funny, Amin's argument against it, sort of, that John Williams created the Yub Nub song, actually kind of works for it, because I hate Ewoks. So, that song so perfectly encapsulates Ewoks, of course I would hate it too. So that's how effective it is. And it is. I mean, you you play, you think about that Luke looking out on the sunset, the two suns, and you hear Luke's theme, and you know Darth Vader's theme. All of those things are so perfect and just intricately woven into what we think of, of those characters. Uh, United Federation Planets is a great idea, but what really, really... I guess it bothers me to even think this, but it, at the end of the day, it's it's John Williams is what my heart says is more important to me. So I guess my own musical tastes are more important than world peace and all of that stuff. I'm a bad person. <laughs> we already knew that. A vote for John Williams. It is all tied up. 
It comes down to you, Juan Francisco Patino. Which one takes the win? Star Wars or Star Trek? Huh. On principle, I should be voting for Star Wars. But I kind of like the whole United Federation of Pilots thing. I mean, you guys did a really good job of convincing me of that early on. Um, I like the whole bringing different peoples and cultures together to have peace and interact, you know, uh, and help each other up. Um, and sort of like overlording and all of that. Which, if you think about it, that's kind of like the goal um, of the Star Wars like story arc is to bring peace, you know, have people work together, not let all the politics get in the way and not allow each other to, you know, uh, get get caught up in, in the little things that, that, that bring, that politics brings. Um, I like that very much. I agree with the concept of the United Federation of Planets, so I'm going to vote for that. United Federation of Planets. A vote for the United Federation of Planets. Ah, it's hurting so much. Can I do it? I am going to. Star Trek is the winner. Oh, I almost changed my vote. I was so close. I was so close. Um, You know, Darth, John Williams gives me outro music. (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck do I do an outro to UFP? Uh, It's very, very, very easy because there is actually uh, United Federation of Planet Music. It it happens in uh, Enterprise. So just look for Enterprise stuff and it's there. But uh, still won't sound as cool. It will not sound as cool. I'm putting Uh, Yub Nub. uh, 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 It hurts. It hurts. I almost. Yub Nub. Yub nub. Because both these are in my fucking no. heart. They're both in my heart. Mike fucking, god damn it, I hate you. Both the United Federation of Planets and John Williams are both in my heart. I want to switch. I, but I want to switch. They're from, both super legitimate. They are. Fuck. And, and, or I better not say anything else. I might tell you where I don't want you to go. Because <laughs> you want to win. Well, well, I want Star Trek to win. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Star Trek did win. And the shocker is, Juan is a Star Wars fan. I know. I was so uh, yeah. John Williams. I was. But, I was. I was close. It was close. I, I, my yeah. argument was very strong. Oh. The shark was out. He got me. But thank you for listening. <laughs> Does anybody have anything they'd like to plug? Uh, Christy? No. Uh, Mr. Patino. Mm, nah. uh, uh, Mr. Amat. No, no, no. Oh, all right. Uh, check out our friends, dvdgeeks.tv. Uh, let's see, Subspace Communicate and their awesome podcast, Life After Trek. Also check out Bye Bye Robot. They have some pretty sweet art over there. And the Rockford Files Files. I don't, I, I'm going to continue to say that every week. Uh, check out the Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy and what is it, Comedy Track, Commentary Track Stars. Uh, those guys, both do great commentaries. It's fun doing them with them. Uh, special thanks going, goes to Karen for being our web presence. Check out what she's doing with Chris Mitchell on the Geek Flights Tumblr. And Chris Mitchell did a wikia. And uh, Christy filled in a, quite a bit of stuff with him. So uh, thanks to them. And uh, Jared Formby for the pimped out intros he creates. You can read his blog, Hey Star Trek, at www.heystartrek.net. Mr. Ortiz? 
You can find me every week on the Week in Geek video show on YouTube, where we preview new comics every Wednesday. Uh, you can check us out at geekfights.net, where we have lists of show ideas, the brackets we mentioned earlier, our past episodes, uh, links to the wiki, our Facebook page, and our Tumblr. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or the Zoom Network or like us on Facebook. And you know what? I haven't been on this, looked on the Zoom Network in forever. They might, somebody might have actually put a second review on the Zoom Network. But review us on iTunes. I'm begging again. But nobody gets to this point. Nobody ever gets to this point. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Uh, if you'd like to be on the panel, just contact us at geekfights.gmail.com. Or you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, just look for Geekfights. Uh, that's all it takes to join the Legion of Geeks. Our upcoming fights are next week is supposed to be best of Babylon 5. That one might fall apart. I, I forgot what's after that. So let me go over here. And there's no more secret episodes, but let me go look. I'll be right back. Wait, why is the Babylon 5 going to fall apart? Because we may not have enough people for it. Wait, do you like Babylon 5? I love Babylon 5. Well, Babylon, Babylon 5 was the shit. Well, well, like, yeah. How many more do you need? <laughs> well, we are fine. Babylon 5 will be next week. <laughs> no doubt about it. And the millionaire was on one year ago, uh, well, next month. And he's coming back on best pinball, uh, uh, pinball machine, best pinball machine. We're going to have uh, quite a few people for that one. Any and all ideas are welcome because we're doing best pinball machine. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. Recording this one naked, by the way. Just sitting here, bare ass naked. Oh, here, let me turn on. Let me turn on my camera. Hang on. No. <laughs> I, I, you know the 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 no was a little slow there, folks. I was expecting it a lot sooner. <laughs> and there's only one. No, don't do it. No, don't, 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 don't wait. Yeah. I, I don't even have a camera for you. I think it's because we're. I think at this point we're kind of like, yeah, he's never gonna turn the camera off. Yeah, you are back. When we're feeling down and out And everything is wrong We just pick up our chins Swallow some gin And sing that Yup, nub, do, 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 do
Tommy Tokushikin, Gnoop Dog Fling, Oh We do Yawa, do, do, eat shop Yawa, do, do, do. Tommy Tokushikin, Gnoop Dog Fling, Oh Go to chat to Yab Nub, go to chat to Yawa, go to chat to Glowa. Alleluia! All right, um, let me uh, pretend to care and let's do this. No. <laughs> 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 <laughs>